0: Welcome to season six of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a fascinating journey into the lives of top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories many you've never heard before. During season six, you'll hear the likes of Pat Fitzgerald, Ron Rivera, Lisa Byington, Porter Moser, and many, many more. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow this podcast through our partnership with Sports Media Watch. You can find them and this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast. Tell me a story I don't know is proudly sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of the world-famous Chicago hot dog at a landmark institution since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. This family owned business can be found at DynamicManufacturingInc.com. This week we feature part two with a popular head football coach at Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald. You know, my contract is tied to
1: my seventh grader graduating from college.
0: (laughs) You know, you look at the years I have left
1: and uh, I'm ideal and that was all by design. Uh, You know, I I think as he graduates college, you know, that's a time for, you know, I I think Stacy and I have to kind of reevaluate where we're at in life, Um, and that's nine years from now, so that's a long time, and, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where we're at then.
0: Now in his 17th season as head coach of the Wildcats, Pat Fitzgerald is trying to get back to a bowl game for an 11th time, but it took a lot of hard work and self-help to get to where he's at today. In episode two, Fitzgerald recalls the untimely death of then-head football coach Randy Walker and how he had to take over just two months before the start of a season at age 31, the youngest head coach in Division I. Fitzgerald also recalls why he has thus far spurned offers from other schools and the NFL to stay at Northwestern and his long and wonderful relationship with his wife, Stacy. But first, we begin episode two just days after the Wildcats opened their season with a dynamic upset of Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland, courtesy of WGN Radio. Here is Palmer motioning right, three receivers to that side. Thompson looking to the right, quick throw through the hands of
1: the receiver and intercepted by the Wildcats, Xavier Mueller. Xavier Mueller comes up with a pick on the deflection, and the
0: Wildcats are going to leave Dublin, Ireland one know I've interviewed you before, and I really enjoy when you talk about your family from your wife, Stacy, who you met in high school to your three sons. And Stacy knows her football.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, when we were, I was 15, she was 16, she would quiz me on, like, our, our game plan tip sheets that our coaches asked me to do. Um, yeah. I mean, we've been at this for a long time, you know, 31 years together, 21 in marriage. And, and sadly for her, football has been a part of it every step of the way. And she sacrificed so much here, you know, um, you know, especially with mother's day. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, she's unbelievable and she's incredibly humble and sacrificed a lot. She was going to be a doctor and instead of you know, did chemistry undergrad at Loyola instead of going down the pre-med track because football was, doing the way it was for me. She, she got a master's in education and was an AP chemistry teacher and coached three sports. And she's the best athlete of the family, I think. I mean, it's, there was a, a, a mommy-son basketball game a couple of years ago. And uh, she absolutely, one of my, uh, one of my guys, and she just absolutely dominated the game. It was, it was, she's blocking these little fifth grader shots and, <laughs> It was fun times.
0: <laughs> Wasn't your first date a Blackhawks game?
1: It was, yeah. My dad,
0: uh,
1: my dad, I think he was working for AT and T then. Uh, it was either there, or Lucent Technologies. Um, there was a couple of names in the past, but uh, he, um, uh, somebody had tickets for uh, exhibition game, preseason game, and um, we went, uh, we went down to the stadium. And uh, I was teaching her the game, you know? That was back when there was two line passes and she didn't understand, she got off sides, didn't understand icing. Uh, and, and the, the, the guy uh, sitting next to me, I think had a few libations and he's like, how could you come to a game and not know what you're watching? You know, it was one of those old school <laughs> Dodgers. And, you know, and da da da. And then I, I, I think Chelios dropped the gloves with somebody. Now, and are it off. Wrestling back of the Chicago Met, Mark Reckie and Chris Chelios have had a running feud for the last 48 hours. And and she's just like, yeah, kick is bad. The guy's like, you better keep her, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was it was fun. And um, you know, then you fast forward, we were blessed uh, to have the opportunity to take our boys to the Stanley Cup final game. I mean, that was that was awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it was really cool. And was there one of the, you know, I think at 15 when they won the cup and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. But we've had a lot of fun and we're blessed to have three healthy boys and, um, you know, just trying in in very interesting times to be the best parents we can be and, and, you know, try to be really um, just helpful and thoughtful and, and very intentional in the way that we're being parents. And, uh, you know, trying to help our guys navigate kind of through the world right now.
0: You mentioned earlier some people who inspired you. Uh, Mike Singletary is one. Who else and why? Well, uh, definitely Carlton
1: Fisk. Uh, I was a better baseball player than I was football player for a little while, not long, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but for a little while. And, um, you know, Pudge was the captain of of the Sox.
2: Go get him back! Please, my three. It, me. it, it is. is holy cow! Carlton Fisk has put the White Sox ahead. A line drive. I was afraid it might
1: not get up high enough, and the White Sox lead. Look at this.
2: Look at this.
1: The White Sox were my team. I wasn't a catcher, but you know, I just, I just loved the way he played. He always, he always was, you know, gritty and tough, and you know, you just. You loved it i i then then i find out about the home run when he was at the red sox you know i didn't know that right away i just thought he always played for us and uh, well that said, happened
0: when you were bo- before you were born yeah
1: i know i so I, I didn't know you know but uh uh and then um you know so he, there's no doubt you know i mean i wore 72 as a grade school football player and uh you know in, instead of uh, another jersey number because of carlton fisk and, and so there you go go figure that out when i It's kind of got a little older in high school. I wore 81. Um, You know, I was a tight end and a linebacker and and Tim Brown uh, winning the Heisman trophy. uh, And and, uh, to remember the success that he had uh, was, was really, really formative to me, but I I would say, uh, you know, definitely any of the defensemen on the Blackhawks uh, love Bronick, uh, you know, but uh, I, I, and all the goalie, I mean, you know, Belfort, you know, Think back to Rick Vive. I mean, all these guys—you, Larmer. I mean, the names go on and on. And then, you know, the Cubs made the playoffs a couple years. And you know, you think about Rick Sutcliffe.
2: Rick Sutcliffe is 14th in a row, 16
0: and one for the year. He faced only 28 men.
2: He pitched a two-hitter.
1: You know, Jody Davis and all those guys. I mean, I'm throwing names out there, but that was kind of my guys. And then, obviously, basketball-wise, speaks for itself. I mean you know, that, that 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 run they had when I was kind of in high school and in college was was unbelievable. And, um, you know, I, I was not going to be a college basketball player. <laughs> so I was uh, I was a fan, but uh, plenty of Chicago sports heroes, to say the least.
0: So you've been at Northwestern now for all but a few years since joining the team in 1995. What is it about this beautiful campus in Evanston that is so alluring to you?
1: Well, I, I, you know, going back to high school, um, you know, my parents really impressed and they didn't go to college, my folks, and they just impressed upon me that using football to get the best education I could was something that they they wanted for me. You know, my dad would always talk to me about having my life be better, my my, my experience, my life be better than his. That was his goal. And, he, you know, he didn't, put a, he didn't put like a definition on that or what that meant. He just said, I just want you to be Happy, but I want you to be more successful than me. So I want you to be able to be all that you want to be. And and I just felt like, you know, out of the options that I had, that Northwestern was that from an academic standpoint. Um, I fell in love with Coach Barnett and his staff. You know, I was at the game as a prospect when he told the basketball arena at Welsh Ryan that he was going to take the Purple to Pasadena. And a bunch of students that were, we were sitting in the student section and a bunch of students laughed. Um, That wasn't good. But, uh, you know, I just kind of was like, I like this guy. There's something about this guy. And then fast forwarding through my coaching career, it's been the players, you know, and and that was the same way it was in recruiting in high school with my teammates. I just fell in love with the people. And um, you know, as I stand here today, uh, and Ryan Fieldhouse and Wilson Field and Walter Athletic Center, um, you think about just the great families and, you know, the Slotnick Atrium and, you know, uh, Hutchinson Field and you know, it, it's the Martin Stadium that we practice on. It's it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, the Ryan family with their generosity. There's so many great families. I mean, it it goes on and on. But, you know, it, it's the people. And, um, you know, for Stacy and I to raise our – in a profession that you're typically pretty nomadic, for two kids from Orland Park to be able to raise their kids in Chicago and to be close to family and, and grandparents, it's, it's something that we're very thankful for.
0: Take me back to those days – when Gary Barnett was recruiting you because he's the guy that really changed the fortunes of the school that had plenty of trouble. And I, I saw some of those games, plenty of trouble winning for so many years. Well, um, I think he built, I think he built it on people.
1: You know, I, I just, he, he, he really challenged all of us um, to realize what our best was and then the next day, make it better and do it for each other and be a part of something bigger than yourself
2: when he became head coach at northwestern in 1991 he made a promise to take the purple to pasadena when i came up here to watch a basketball
1: game my senior year in high school he uh was presenting lee gissendan with the silver football award for being uh, the big tens player of the year presented i think by the sun times and he had said that his mission is to bring the purple to pasadena you had a great uh, uh, motivational speaker that would come in and speak with us in training camp, Steve, Steve Musel. And, um, you know, he had a great line, uh, you, know, what, you know, the definition of faith is belief without evidence. And, um, you know, in 93 and 94, you know, he was talking to us about having faith. You know, we don't have the evidence maybe with the winds, but if, if we have the right faith coupled with the right work ethic and attitude, um, this, this is going to turn but, but you can't lose faith. And then once we have evidence, then you you, you can't become complacent. And, you know, I, I, I just, I bought into that stuff, you know, and, and I think my teammates and I all bought into it. And then, you know, we we had a little fairy dust with some success and, and with success and, and, and challenges, it can snowball in a positive way or snowball in a challenging way. And, and um, you know, those two years were as an athlete, we're, of the most magical years of my life as an athlete and uh it was it was so great to share it with great guys and, and great coaches
0: vienna beef two words synonymous with hot dogs they're the home of the chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. if you've had a hot dog chances are it was from vienna and did you know there are more locations selling vienna in chicago than mcdonald's burger king and wendy's combined There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt, and oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks, cups, and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at viennabeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at viennabeef.com. Well, that year, which was a great year for you personally, and for the school, the Cats go 10 and one, they go to the Rose Bowl, which seemed unthinkable a few months earlier. And you couldn't play. I wonder how difficult that was, and how that affected you as a person. And later as a coach, you were injured. Yeah, George, I, it,
1: you know, again, I, I think I'm much more mature. Well, Stacy probably will say that's not true. But I, I, I think I've got a little, <laughs> little bit of wisdom uh, now on my on my side. But I, I didn't handle it very well at all. Um, uh, I'll I'll be frank. I I think, I, I think I drank too much. Um, and, and, um, I, I, I just was not in a good place, um, for a little while. Um, and, and, um, you know, a very, very embarrassing thing happened to me. We were out having fun and, and, and I'm not practicing and all that. I'm feeling sorry for myself. And, I had my end of the year spring meeting with coach Barnett and um, was out a little bit too late and I slept through it. Mm. So here I am, you know, returning all American aspiring to try to be a captain. Um, And I I went out and had too much fun and and slept through my head coach's meeting. And, um, you know, I just, I, I share a lot of stories with, with my guys, you know, in my, in my office, my mom and dad gave me my Rose bowl jersey that they had framed and their passes to the, the parent dinner at the Rose bowl, but right in the bottom of it is the pin and the screw that were in my leg for that game. And uh, you know, then removed later in, in February of, of 96. But um, I, I have that for a reminder, not only to me, but also a statement to families and to recruits and into and our current team. You know, I know what it's like to have a catastrophic injury. I know what it's like to have this game and what you love and, you know, kind of what you feel is your identity ripped away from you by something out of your control. And I tell them, and I tell, them, especially my guys can't believe, you know, about the, the, the mistakes I made. And, and if I could go back and do it again, that pain and regret, you know, um, but, you know, now we have resources and sports psych and, and things of that nature. I, 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 there was nobody else's fault besides my own. I, I, I just, I kind of went inward. I, I didn't communicate. I didn't share. I didn't seek help. And, and I think that wisdom, and I think that, like I said earlier, I think just maybe a little bit more mature. I would obviously handle it very different now, uh, but uh, it's definitely a part of me. It's definitely a motivator for me. Um, I, I made a statement when when I got back to Northwestern that I will not eat an In-N-Out burger until we go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> uh, and I recruit in California quite a bit. Uh, I violated that. We took a, a trip with a couple of friends to Napa. <laughs> as, And on our way from SFO to Napa, we did get In-N-Out Burger. But I will tell you that uh, I will not eat it again until we step foot in
0: Pasadena. Okay, you made one mistake. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the story of your elevation as head coach at Northwestern is still an epic and sad story in so many ways. Randy Walker, of course, is the head coach. Very affable gentleman. Uh, He started to turn the Wildcats fortunes around, and he dies suddenly just two months before the start of the 2006 season. And almost just as suddenly you accept the job as head coach. That had to be both gut-wrenching in one respect and a great opportunity in another. You were balancing two pretty heavy emotions.
1: Yeah, uh, I had sadly earlier in my life had been through tragedy. And and, um, um, I, I just felt like at that time, uh you, you're you're right with your statement i mean it's like your dream job through the worst way of, worst circumstances you can get it right looked him right in eyes. i said i want your job you know and i'd, I'd at some point love to be the head football coach here at northwestern and his direct response to that wasn't well, who's this brash 25 year old guy that i don't know it was okay we're going to work towards that goal and and i'm going to push you to be that uh that guy someday so i mean that was that was just selfishly that was that was not good but that selfishness had to wear off pretty quickly, and when I, you know, saw the Walker family and saw our players, uh, you know, myself and and, and Jerry Brown, um, you know, were at the hospital pretty quickly after, you know, we caught word about, you know, we didn't know Coach had passed at the time, um, but um, you know, it, it was it was it was tragic. It was sad, um, but it was my time to step up. And, um, you know, as I told the administration, Mark Murphy and president being and Pat Ryan at the time that, you know, you've put a lot of faith in me to, to calm the waters down. If it doesn't work, you won't have to fire me. I'll resign. I, you know, I love this program. I love this institution. I love the Walker family, I love our players too much, you know, for me to be the reason why this, this doesn't keep going in, in the right direction. And, um, Thank goodness for patience and and uh, great players and great coaches. We were able to you know get ourselves going in postseason runs and compete for championships. And then you know got that monkey off our back to win win a bowl game and then win five and probably should have won eight. And uh, <laughs> you know um, you know coaching better coaching decision by me one way or the other. So um, yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of great players. It's been a lot of great staff and. I hope Coach looks down on us and and, and has got a big smile and is just proud of where the program's at because his foundational values, his foundational methodology about how we practice and the way we go about the way we play. I think I've put my own spin on it, but uh, his DNA is written all over it.
0: Want to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know? It's easy. Just follow me on social media, at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please follow or subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We
0: resume with Pat Fitzgerald on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. When did you say to yourself, I'm good at this. I'm a good football coach. So
1: what I did after, it was, it was, it was uh, I, I don't think I've ever said that, to be honest with you, George.
0: <laughs> well, I can say it. You're a pretty yeah, good football I coach. I but Yeah, I, I don't look
1: at it that way, but I, I'll tell you a story. Here's another thing you don't know. Uh, so I, when I took over, I, I reached out to my, you know, Coach Barnett, and Ron Vanderlinden, who was my position coach here. He we went out to be the head coach of Maryland and uh, a handful of other coaches. And they were all great. They were all unbelievable. And, and I, I know some for some people, when I say this name, you, you'll have feelings, and I can respect that. Uh, but Joe Paterno was was incredibly gracious to me. Uh, I was able to, you know, track Coach down, and, and uh, he was at his family place in, I think, the Jersey Shore or somewhere like that. You know, I just I just asked him for his advice, and he, you know he went on, you know, a little little bit of a of a yarn, and and, and, and talked about a lot of old stories, and went down memory lane. He started as a young head coach, but he kind of he he said something that stuck with me, a lot that stuck with me, but one that I acted on, and, and uh, in particular he goes, ah, you know those funny markers, you know? And I'm like, the <laughs> dry erase markers. He's like,
0: yeah, you know, the ones that are race easy. I'm like, yeah,
1: coach, I go,
0: Let's go grab one of those
1: and
0: take it home with you
1: and write, right on your, wherever you brush your teeth, I want you to write on the mirror, head coach, head coach, right? Head coach. And I was like, all right, coach, I, I, I think I can do that. And he goes, great. And I go, well, why should I write that on, on the mirror? And he goes, When you stop looking at it, then you'll know you're the head coach. <laughs> and and what, his, what his point was, and, and he was right, is is that, you know, to your to your, to your statement, which I, I appreciate the kind words, but you know, you 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 have dream jobs, you have dream opportunities. You're never ever fully prepared or understand what the role is. And I, you know, Stacy tells a story to a lot of people when, when we when we kind of talk about the first couple of years. You know, we had just had our first child. I mean, it, it was a lot going on, um, and it was it was chaotic, but it was awesome. And um, the only thing, again, I, I, I my own personal self health was not great. I was not sleeping very well. I was I every book I read on leadership and management, and every class I had. And everything I was told not to do, I did. I micromanaged. I didn't trust people. I, I, I just, I felt like I had, to, I had to prove myself. And um, when I looked at that for the last time on my mirror before I erased it, I went, "Stop!" To myself, I said to myself, "Stop acting like you have something to prove, and start acting like the head coach." And I erased it, and I kind of haven't looked back since.
0: That's a great story. You know, schools have tried to lure you away, even some NFL teams. I believe the Packers in 2018 were after you, after you were named Big Ten Coach of the Year. Why didn't you go? And not being 50 yet, yeah. is there still a chance you could go to the pros?
1: Well, I, I, this is where I want to be. Uh, I, and, again, I, I think sometimes – you know, we, we get uh, caught up in, in, in what's talked about and what's said about ourselves and what's said in the media and social media. And, you know, a good friend of mine once told me, never mess with happy. You know, don't get complacent, but never mess with happy. And, and um, you know, we, we are collectively not happy to be here. We are ecstatic and honored and humbled to be here. And, you know, I don't think you can ever say never because, you know, frankly, I'm the steward of the program. That's my job. And and part of that is is me working with our administration and me working with the university and our alums and our donors. And we've set a pretty high bar of expectation, our coaches, everybody, players, alums. Um, We've set a very high standard of expectation here, uh, not only on the field, uh, but more importantly, as people and in the classroom. And, you know, it's my job to make sure that I'm putting every piece of the puzzle we need in place to be able to be the best developed player development program in the country, to lead the nation in graduation rates, prepare guys for life and, and, and compete and win championships. And, um, you know, I, I, as long as the support is where it needs to be, and we've got two fists in the fight to being able to do those things. There's no reason why I would ever want to go anywhere else. Um, and the generosity and support to our family and to our staff's families and to our players, Again, I've already mentioned some of those family names and many others that I didn't mention. I'm sorry, but uh, and the university and, and the administration have been incredibly supportive. So, you know, my contract is tied to my seventh grader graduating from college. <laughs> you know, you look at the years I have left and on uh, my deal. And that was all by design. Um, you know, I, I think as he graduates college, you know, that's a time for you know, I, I think Stacy and I have to kind of reevaluate where we're at in life. Um, and that's nine years from now. So that's a long time. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where we're at then. But, um, you know, there's so many more things that we want to accomplish here. And um, once we accomplish those, I think we're going to want to raise the bar even higher. But um, I'm, I'm very thankful maybe for some of those things you just said. But Uh, It sure beats the phone call to coach. We're going to let you go and move in a different direction. So
0: yeah, uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that's not going to happen. True or false. Someone once told me one of the reasons that you don't want to leave Northwestern is you would like to coach one, if not all of your sons.
1: that is true. That is true. If they, if they, if they like to play for dad, you know, I, I, I think that would be something that would be really special. So wouldn't
0: that be hard
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Real hard. Yeah, uh, real hard. And I also know there's a level of expectation on, the, on my sons that would maybe potentially be unfair. But that's why I say if they want to. And, and those are the conversations that Stacy and I have had with our oldest son and we'll have with our middle son and our youngest son. First of all, you got to be good enough in, in the classroom. <laughs> you better do well in school, boys. All right, <laughs> Otherwise, you're not getting into school here. Uh, and then number two, you better be a good enough player to be able to be someone that uh, can, can help our team. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to put, I, I, we didn't put, I didn't put pressure on my boys to play. Um, we've, we've really tried to diversify their palette of experiences from, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we, we feel fortunate. We live in Northfield and, and the public schools there at, at, at uh, Middle Fork and Sunset Ridge have been phenomenal. And um, you know we fundraised for the arts, and and uh, my guys have been involved in the band, in an orchestra, and in, in different plays. They're in the in the chess club. And, I mean, the list goes on. And on. Uh, you know, they've played every sport known to man, and and uh, pretty much. And uh, you know, just want them to go find their path. And uh, if that means and leads here, and they want to put on the purple and white and let dad yell at them, and then let's go have some fun.
0: Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly one million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing. Honor the legacy. Pioneer the future. Not that long ago, Northwestern opened this lavish, I mean lavish, state-of-the-art practice facility. And when I say state-of-the-art, Skip Mislensky, who we just spoke about, of course, he's been writing for the university now for, I think it's over a decade, dubbed the new facility the Fitzcarlton. I love it. And now Ryan Field is going to get some half-billion-dollar facelift soon. and One would suggest it's about time. The place was built nearly 100 years ago.
3: Well,
1: again, do you think about the, the the generosity of some incredibly special families, but you know the Ryan family in particular, um, you know just so thankful for their generosity and passion and unwavering support for everything that's northwestern i mean it's you know it, it, the academic buildings and their commitment to the arts and their commitment to you know, the the Chicagoland community from a philanthropy standpoint, the world, the United States, I mean, the the Shirley Ryan rehabilitation, I mean, unbelievable, the, the generosity and, and, um, you know, Stephen Sue Wilson and and Marky Kim Walter too, just like Pat and Shirley Ryan. And you're, there's so many great names, the list goes on and on of, of great families and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it doesn't happen. You know, we're a private institution it doesn't happen without those great families. And, uh, you know, just very thankful.
0: Well, there have been some extraordinary grads from Northwestern, some of whom I've interviewed for this podcast, two that come to mind right off the bat are two of my favorite people, Michael Wilbon and Mike Greenberg. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. They're the best.
0: Greenie, by the way, once, Try to remind me that the first person you ever worked with professionally was me. And of course, Wilbon, I mean, I could call him Wilbon because he's Wilbon. He's so passionate. He grew up on the South Side as a North Side fan. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, both guys are just phenomenal. And, um, you know, there's there's so many, you know, Darren Revelle, the list. I mean, I just saw Adam Rittenberg working for you. So we can we can just keep going. You want the list to keep going? I mean, Cassie, how the lot of We can keep going. Yes. Yeah, she's uh, going to be the, a guest. You know, I mean, the list is Emma Stair Refson down at the Big Ten Network and Teddy Greenstein with the Tribune Prayer. I mean, there's so many that that, that are part of, I guess you'd call it the Northwestern Mafia, but um, Greenie and I, you know, have been great friends for a long time. The
0: Northwestern Band is playing us in the Northwestern. Kids are out in full force, and the Northwestern coach is on our set. We'll have Pat Fitzgerald in a second.
1: We shared the stage in many of great moments, uh, none better than being out to watch Chris Collins and the Cats play uh, against Wake Forest out in Salt Lake City. Uh, he and I both were um, at the pep rally beforehand, and, and um, that was just awesome. I mean, that was that's one of those that. Uh, as, as a Cat fan, that was, that was awesome. Um, and, and then Mike Wilbon, I mean, to me, he's just been, I mean, I just think class. One of the great joys of my life, professional and personal, to wear purple and have a front row seat to watch people I respect and admire compete at the highest level of intercollegiate athletics and now be thought of enough through my own pursuits and accomplishments to be included in such wonderful, wonderful company in our hall of fame. I just think he's just first class in every way. He's been so generous with his time, his knowledge, his wisdom. Um, uh, you know, it's just been it's been great building relationships first, and then great friendships with two great
0: Wildcats. I ask this final question to all of my guests: If not for football, what would you have been? Did
1: you hear that silence?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I think I, I, I well I know this. I, I wanted to either I wanted to be a high school coach. You know, outside of my mom and dad, uh, all the coaches I had, but especially my high school coaches had a huge impact on my life. They saw things in me I didn't see in myself. They challenged me in ways I had never been challenged. And um, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. So I, I thought that was going to be the direction I was going to go. I mean, Stacy's folks were teachers. My sister was getting her um, counseling degree and was going to be in secondary education. And I, I just I just kind of felt like that was the direction I was going to go. And then, you know, came here and I was like, wow, you know, I mean, I think the business world sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm looking at all these guys in finance and stockbrokers and, you know, guys on the board of trade. And I just... I ended up getting my degree from our school of education, and social policy here in a liberal arts business degree called learning, learning and organization change. And it's, it, it, it's a fancy word for CEO training and a fa- fancy term, I should say. And I, I feel like the degree and the education prepared me for exactly what I do now. And did I think I'd ever be a head coach? No, I didn't. I, I my, my goal was to be the linebacker coach here, uh, you know, to coach the position I played at the school I played at. And, um, you know, I, I'd still love to be because that would mean Randy Walker still our head coach. But uh, you know, with that being said, um, you know I'm just just really thankful for the game. Uh, without the game, I, I'm not sure where
0: where I'd be in my life,
1: um, and uh, I, I don't think I could ever repay the game for what the game has given me.
0: I have to tell you, I have met hundreds upon hundreds of people that I've interviewed during the course of my career. You rank right up there, Fitz, as one of the most impressive, inspirational, and enjoyable individuals to deal with. It's always made my job a bit easier, as has this interview. Best of luck to you and your family, and thank you, Pat Fitzgerald, for telling me a story I don't know. Thank you, George. Go Cats. My thanks to ESPN TV and ESPN Radio, WGN TV, the Late and Great Sports Channel, and NBC Sports Chicago for those marvelous highlights. And my thanks as always, to the people behind the scenes that help make this wonderful podcast possible. TJ. Reeves for putting us on the map, Will Hatzel for his crafty editing, and Nick Tochi for our wonderful graphics. Tune in next week when we feature another intriguing guest on Tell Me a Story I don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.